everyone. Welcome back to College Made Easy. Emily here with Ben, Scott, Tim, and we're welcoming back a special guest, John, who is a professor at our college. What's up, we're going to talk about professional development today. Oh, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> I have question of the day. And the question for today is, who is faster, Superman or The Flash? Should I go all nerd on you guys and tell you why the question doesn't like work? All right, let us answer it first before okay. you nerd out. <laughs> I saw one scene from the movie Justice League, which I heard was one of the movie one of the worst movies ever made. Yep. Um, and in that scene, it shows Superman flying faster than the Flash running. So I'm going to go Superman on that one. Okay. Emily, you're just going to like smile and nod. <laughs> I am going to say Superman based off of Scott's remarks that he can fly and Flash can run, but I'm guilty of never seeing either, so okay. crickets from me. John? So the correct answer is Flash. There can only be one answer. He's faster than the speed of light. Superman does come from a red star planet, but the fact of the matter is the, 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 the less gravity doesn't mean that you can go faster. And I just don't even understand why this is even a question. Wow. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was amazing. I, I am totally on team Superman. Yes. Superman's powers no. are just so insane. Like Superman has like, over time, he's just become like a god with his superpowers. So, and so I think if you made a modern story that incorporated everything that's happened to Superman over the past like 50 years, how he just keeps getting new powers, he's definitely faster than the Flash. So the Flash is fast uh, because he has access to the Speed Force. Superman does not have access to the Speed Force. So when Superman goes super fast, like if he's running... I, like at the end of Justice League, Superman and the Flash like race, and that's like the ending clip of the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Um, so they like, race, but like if Superman like runs in a straight line, super fast, he's gonna run faster than the air can move out of his way. So all of the air molecules in his way are gonna like clump up on his chest, and nuclear fusion is gonna happen, and he's just gonna like have nuclear explosions going off in front of him when he runs. But, but can't the, Superman be nuked and survive? Yes, but yes. still, he can't keep <laughs> running through a nuclear explosion. He'll get thrown out of the way. Whereas the Flash has access to the Speed Force, which moves the air molecules out of the way before he gets to them. So the Flash can move faster than Superman. So who's faster, moves. Superman in outer space or Flash on Earth? That's a better question. But still the Flash. <laughs> <laughs> still the Flash. I, I, I can't believe we started off the podcast this way. I'm now I'm angry. I am on fire. I'm on fire. I can't I can't believe this. How, how, oh. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, John. The Flash is the right answer. I just can't believe there's an argument. <laughs> I feel like the Flash should be faster, but I don't think DC has done a good job of making that clear. I agree. Also. Superman is definitely a more popular character than the Flash. So, like, for the most part, people don't know all of the Flash's powers. 
or the extent of them. I think that's fair to say. So basically, I understand that you guys are choosing the wrong answer. <laughs> I, I can agree with that. So here's a really good question, right? And 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 now now I'd be able to entertain this the the the, the discussion. Uh, the Flash from Earth Two, his name was Jay Garrick. Who's faster, him or Superman? Now I have a very difficult. I, I have a difficult. Um, I, I I'm not sure. Remember what I just said about people who really don't know that much about the Flash? Yeah, I have no idea what the heck Earth Two is. My <laughs> brother. <laughs> If you my watch brother TV is watching TV, The Flash. but So I've heard of Earth 2, but I haven't been watching it with him, so I don't know. I know that the DC Universe has is like a DC multiverse, but like... I'm a Marvel guy. I'm sorry. Very <laughs> confusing. Okay, should we get started? Yeah. I think for this, I think the best way to do this is like the students give their brief explanation or their thoughts and then we go to the master who actually knows what he's talking about <laughs> I, I know in a couple of fields what i'm talking about and in general i can probably give some good ideas here but let's 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 proceed on i i, I don't pretend to be the ultimate authority scott okay okay All right. mm-hmm. so take everything you're about to hear from us for with a very small grain of salt and everything that you hear from John with a little bit bigger grain of salt. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> not snow and not sand. Salt. Wait. Salt is a good thing when it comes to advice? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I really I don't know. I think I've understood that wrong the, this entire time. Honestly, I might be understanding it wrong and I just said that perfectly wrong. It could be the other way. I don't know. Doesn't salt absorb the water? So it's like a grain of salt. It's like absorbing a little bit of the information. That's how I look at it. I don't know. Never heard of it that way. Oh, wow. We're going to research this and literally post an entire episode about this topic, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> we don't have time for that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, later. Okay. First thing we want to hit is what is the number one thing uh, jobs look for in students or companies look for in students coming out of college? Who wants to go first? I can take this one. Oh. I'll go first. Okay, I no go back. I'm talking about. I have no idea what I'm talking about, so I'm going to put my advice in. You can forget this right after I finish talking. <laughs> I'm going to go with experience because, like, from an actuary point of view, like, you can't just, like, get an actuary career. Like, you have to be – like, you have to get an internship pretty much, and you have to pass exams. Like, you have to, like, know what you're doing and be experienced like, and be good at it. But other than that, pass. <laughs> so, so not grades. Experience over grades? Is that what you're saying? Yes, definitely experience over grades. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll take it up next. I think what I was going to say is excitement about the field. Uh, so an important thing in economics that you get asked a lot on interviews is like, what have you read recently um, about different books? So like there's a class that our school offers that's literally just reading books by great um authors of econ books i'm gonna have to just agree with ben on that one i think experience is uh superior Actually, I think okay for me i would say drive um my background's a little different from tim ben scott and john but 
Um, you kind of want someone who's willing to put in the extra hours, have that passion, and be willing to take on a new challenge, a new experience. I mean, they all correlate for sure, but like you want someone who has it in them, who's motivated, can work on their own, look up things that they don't know how to do, and kind of figure it out as they're starting on like this new journey of employment. So that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of thread the middle and do for all of you um, a little bit, because I'm taking the question just a little bit more generally. Um, what's the number one thing that jobs look for, employers look for in students coming out of college? Kind of transcendent of the discipline is the ability for you, the employee or the, the person seeking to, to, to get the job, to be able to describe who you are what you want and how you can help that company accomplish their goals. Okay. And I think that that doesn't matter whether you're an actuarial scientist or an economist or even an entrepreneur, because well, Emily, certainly coming with your background, right? If you're not able to do that, you are not going to get the investors, right? Right. So being able to really describe what it is that, what you're about, what you want, and how you can help them achieve their goals. I think that's the most important thing that you're able to do. Um, after that, right, whether or not it's experience or grades, I mean, it, grades do matter, right? Uh, there's a big difference between a 2.0 student and a 4.0 student, right? Um, there's much less difference between a 4.0 student and a 3.8 student, right? So be concerned about your grades, but don't be overly concerned once you get past a certain level, um, you know, what that is, right? So, you know, in college, they have these words like cum laude, magna cum laude, summa cum laude with distinction. All depends on where you you graduate from. Uh, Being magna cum laude, being, being cum laude is something that doesn't happen with everybody. So once you're up at that level, um, it's just, it's, it's a matter of, from my perspective of just bragging rights at that point. And I, I don't mean to minimize those people who really, really make those things important, right? Because that's personal goals are important to have. But the fact of the matter is that the employers, once they see, they see, let's say 3.7, if you're on a GPA average, they're, they're saying, okay, good student. <laughs> 4.0, how the heck did you do that? You know, <laughs> those, kinds of, those kinds of questions inside of the interview. Um, but again, I'm going to go back to my original answer. If we're talking about number one thing, who are you? What's your background? What can you do? How can you advance the goals of the company? That's all one thing. It's like an episode of Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I guess we all needed to hear that, huh? Yeah. I think we gave the inexperienced answer because, like, we haven't really gone for a career yet. We haven't, like... Right. Yeah. Most, but, I mean, those aren't wrong, and in certain disciplines, you're absolutely right. I mean, experience trumps grades. Grades are really, really important. Look, if you're looking at your next job as being in grad school... <laughs> Yeah, grades are pretty much the only thing that you're going to be judged on, right? Maybe research papers or something like that as well. But um, certainly, I mean, we're, we're, we're all dancing around the top five in different things and in different places. They might be a different, uh, it might be a different number one. Okay. 
Good to know. It's all dependent. So let me ask you guys the next question. What do you know about creating resumes? Oh, it was a huge pain uh, last fall doing it. <laughs> I went through so many different versions uh, to get it approved, but eventually did. And I guess it really paid off. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize that. Okay. So like what I learned was, was that you really have to put stuff on there that makes you stand out from the traditional uh, uh, student applying for a job or internship. And uh, when I went to John with my resume, well, like early version of it, and he learned about my YouTube career and he's like, you got to put it on. <laughs> and I was saying, I was like, should I know? <laughs> and he's like, you got to put it on like that. Wait, should we? Hmm. You could. I think I should go on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the whole idea of an actuary being able to explain difficult topics to a wide audience. And that's exactly what I did on my YouTube channel. I'm not actuary related content, but technology related content. Um, and I learned that like, yeah, you got to put those weird things on your resume because it really helps you stand out. I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to you later, Ben. We'll get to you Literally, later. for the most part, schools will have some department that helps students with making resumes. Um, I went at the old school. I just did not do that at all. And then between trans between while I was transferring, a friend of mine who's really good at resumes like offered to help me with it. So I just like she just sent me hers and I just like put my stuff in. And then when I got to our current school, I just went through the process like seven times with the department on campus and they eventually certified it after I made all these changes. I don't pretend to memorize what the changes were, but I just accepted that they accepted it and moved on. I think for me, I understand the logistics of it and how to tie it to whatever job or role you're trying to apply for or whoever's going to be on the other end of receiving your resume. But um, that's kind of how I look at it is like making those changes based off of where it's going to and applying it to the role. So Emily, you don't have a resume. You have several resumes. I have several. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So wow. Okay, now, sorry guys, I'm going to take Oh, it. that was like right in the mic, wasn't it? <laughs> so what, what's different about your resumes as you go to different positions? Like, can, can, can you talk about that at all? Yeah, so like, um, with entrepreneurship, and like, I've had internship experience from everything from law to marketing, sales. Um, so there's so many transferable skills that I can choose to include or leave out depending on the role I'm looking for. So like, for example, at our college, I'm a resident assistant. So some of those skills I could kind of mold into the position and other ones I can just choose, like I don't need them for this and kind of leave them in the back burner. Maybe it will come up in an interview, you know, type of scenario, but I didn't think it was the most important for my one page of like, here's my personal summary, you know? Mm -hmm. Emily, have you thought about making a CV? No, I haven't. What's if you've got multiple resumes, you might be able to. Like, I kind of have it based off of, like, I have templates of, like, different jobs, different experiences, and, like, three bullets underneath. And then I kind mm -hmm. of take 
those little tidbits and make it into my resume and expand on those for the role, if that makes sense. Yeah. One of my dreams is to have a CV. <laughs> Most people Someday. use those two things. <laughs> what? Most people will confuse those two things, CV and resume. Most people will use those words interchangeably. Oh. What's the you difference? Think? A um, CV? No, CV. I forget what it stands for at the moment, um, but Curriculum basically... Vitae. What is it? Huh? Curriculum Vitae. It's, a, it's Latin. It's a longer resume that's more detailed and lists your accomplishments. Hmm. Um, so yeah, if you've ever published anything, it would have a list of everything you've published. Um, that's the main thing I've been aware of that would end up on my CV if I ever was able to put one together. But there's plenty of other things. Um, I have a friend who's a social worker, but he's also really good at piano and he runs a piano business. So he has a, where he like, uh, he teaches kids how to play the piano. So that's on his CV, but not his resume because his resume is more, social work oriented and his cv has all those other accomplishments that might not be directly linked gotcha that's pretty cool see i'm just scared a cv would just have things that aren't relevant you know and it could actually be like a turn off to an employer i don't know i think that's the point like the resume is like everything that's relevant and then the cv is like other fantastic things that you've done that isn't necessarily relevant to the job that you're applying for or whatever right yeah what, what i john told... i'm curious yeah. do cvs go to the top of the the stack of resumes do you think yeah i think it depends i think it depends on who the the employer is if you're looking inside of academia um you you need you need to be a little bit more cv-ish um but if mm -hmm. you're if you're looking for a job inside of industry you better you better say what you need to say up front real quick because these are busy busy people and it's not that academicians aren't busy but they're interested in seeing all of that stuff um, so so CVs if if you're talking about jobs in academia they'll 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 go they'll go higher but you need to be quick and impactful I think that's part of the reason why I was so interested in, in Emily's answer to this is that she's thinking about um, you know, a particular document based on where, where it is that she's going. So she thinks about it as a, a conditional thing that's going to highlight different things inside of her experience base based on where it is that she wants to go. And it kind of relates to what I was saying inside of the, the number one thing that employers look for in students coming out of college. That is, how are you going to help me? What am I going to do? What, what can I expect out of you? What, what are the things that you're going to be able to do? Which kind of things do I have that are, you know, that are eluding me because it's been too long since I've been in school so that you can apply these skills. I can set you off on running something and, 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 and you can impress me at the end. And I don't need to do a lot of looking over your shoulder, just more of like a check-in every once in a while. So yeah. Yeah. So that was what really John just said made me think of like an entrepreneurship, we call it value proposition. And it's basically what are yeah. you bringing to the table and what does your business or service offer? So like in a way that's, it makes me think of what John means of like, what does an employer want from a student? You know, like what are you bringing to the company and what value are you adding by working for them? Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, I can go into a little bit for particularly with actuarial science. And I mean, Scott's already basically gotten to it, right? Um, if, if you're interested in the actuarial world, one of the things that they're going to be interested in, it's, it's something which is not interested in inside of other things, inside of other uh, disciplines, right? So like most resumes will start off with your education. Like when you're graduating college, this is, this is, this was my education. This was my GPA. This was my major. This was my relevant, relevant coursework. Here's some additional minors and stuff that I was doing in, inside of this. They may help you. They may not help you. Right. Um, and then you'd have, you know, course specific GPAs inside of those. So for actuarial science, it's just a little bit different, right? Because what the actuaries want to see up top is how many exams have you passed, right? How many exams have you passed? Why? Because that shows that you've got skin in the game, that you're serious, that you know something about the profession, that you've already started doing your credentials because there's a long series of credentials that you got to get. CPAs are like this as well. Um, to a certain extent inside of the, the finance industry as well with your, or, or, or your underwriting industry, getting the, the CF blank, whatever the blanks are after the CF, those are kind of important things to get. Um, yeah, I don't want to go, I don't want to go off into things that I don't know too much about. Um, I mean, law is very, very particular too as well. Uh, so is medicine, right? Um, but so I think that you've gotten the, the, the right thing of this. And, and this is the piece that I'll give for, their, for your viewers who are still inside of college. First step inside of creating your resume is to try to take all of the things that you are important about who you are, what your experience has been and put them inside of there. It should include your education, should include leadership positions that you've had, should include extracurricular positions that you've had leadership um, or even that you've just participated in if, if you haven't had a leadership position. Um, and you should also have, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, you say cor courses, relevant courses? So relevant coursework is important for some professions. Relevant extracurricular activities like RA is probably more important, but the kind of skills that I, 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 this is getting towards where I wanted to go, the kind of skills that you've developed inside of those positions, that's really crucial. Um, you know, I, 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 I learned how to project manage. I learned how to put an event on. I learned that you've got to do these 15 things in this order in order to make, um, the, the orders will change it and, and the job task will change, but Having them find out that you've got those kinds of experiences, that's, that's a plus. That'll help you stand out. Um, some people think that having an internship is the be-all, end-all. And that's not necessarily the case if you've got something in a related discipline where you've actually got a job, right? So, um, I, well, I don't want to get too specific. But as far as the process goes, you guys have, have all alluded to this, right? Career center, that's the first place that you go. They're, they're going to make sure that whatever career center you've got at your institution, they're going to make sure that you've got a generalized resume. On top of that, right, go find the guru in your department. The guru is not necessarily your advisor. It's not necessarily your advisor. If somebody hasn't had any kind of experience or any kind of development about what your end goals are, um, you want to go find that person who
who knows something about what it is that you want to do at the end um, and go consult them about what do you think? Is this going to make me look good? Am I going to get looks? Am I going to get, um, am I going to get evaluated or are they just going to take this piece of paper and say, not interested in this particular person, find the guru in your department who can help you where you want to go. If you don't find that person, then you're going to have to become the guru. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it might mean that you're going to be, you know, blazing new trails inside of your particular college. And it might also mean that you are going to be the resource for people who come after you for two, three years. And if that's the case, put that on your resume um, and, and, and work it in and circle it and cycle it all in. Um, best general advice that I have for you. I just wanted to highlight, uh, John said about relevant courses having that section. I think Scott did also. Um, that was something I added to my resume uh, at the beginning of sophomore year. And it fills up space if that's an issue and it fills it up well. You know, you could spend so much time in the skills section just listing off uh, soft skills that you have. But I think a relevant courses section is a good way to fill in space if you're really trying to do that. So I guess I'm interested with that, Tim. So what kind of relevant coursework have you said inside of your resume in target for what position at the end? What are you looking to do? Um, So in my relevant coursework section, I have two classes I did research for that are specifically mentioned. And then they each have two bullets about what the research entailed. And then below that, I have a single line of other relevant courses that the employers could ask me about. Uh, so those two courses, one where I presented to the Federal Reserve, I, um, so looking to be an economist, I think that one's that pretty on. powerful. Definitely. Got it. And then I have another one. I researched uh, natural resource wealth in countries and how that connected to human development. So I included that. I remember that. That was your project for yeah. econometrics? Small yeah. Flags. Yeah, that's definitely a flex. You want to read that? <laughs> but, uh, All our viewers are going to be paper. like, I thought Tim was just a bartender. Yeah. Oh, yeah, John, oh. I don't even know if you know. I became a bartender. <laughs> so what's what's in a Manhattan? We don't. <laughs> <laughs> Manhattans are not on the menu, so I haven't learned them yet. I'm still working on the menu. So when did you become a bartender? Uh, like a about ago. a week ago. <laughs> where do you bet 10 bucks oh, not uh, the place but the style of place it's a pool at a country club oh okay yep. so you're gonna have to learn how to make all those drinks i i've gotten our menu down pretty well but anything that's not on the menu which i can make because we have all the liquor there i i haven't learned those yet so yeah. So proud I'm of supposed you. to be able to make a Manhattan, but I can't at the moment. <laughs> so, I have a book to look it up if anybody orders one. So, John, Poker Nights at our place are going to be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's interesting for me to hear you guys because I know that most of you guys have stuff to do with economics as well. And you know, there's a bunch of different styles of economics where that relevant coursework could really make it an impact. Like, 
if you start getting math minors and computer science minors, uh, it, it, it's the kind of thing that you start putting inside of your resume to, to signal to grad schools and to signal to particular employers about your analytical skills that you'd be able to, that you'd be able to hack the job, right? Because there are some, there are some things that tie into certain parts of economics and there are some things that tie in better in other places as well. So finding out that relative and coursework is important there was kind of cool as well uh, for me. Um, mm -hmm. Just as a random piece of advice, if you are in college and you just have a major or if you have a double major and it's like really early and you have plenty of time to add classes, definitely just throw in a math minor. I know math is like nobody just like takes math classes except me apparently, but math minors, you, um, if you put a math minor like on your resume for like going to get an actual career, it's not that employers are going to read that and think, Oh, they like math. What a nerd. Math majors and math minors are like problem solvers. They right. can figure things out without too much help. And it's like, it goes along with engineering, obviously, because math and engineering are very close. But problem solving is so widely used in literally everything that having a math minor will help you problem solve in whatever career you go into. Ben had to flex that he's a double major in actual science and mathematics. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't even say that Such to start. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, that's why I'm also a math major. Because like actuarial science, I could probably do a lot of things with it. But like it's still actuarial science. Whereas math, I could do literally anything with. Mm -hmm. So options. <laughs> All right, are we moving on to the next topic? Yes, please. Scott? Okay, I guess I'm in charge here. Sure. <laughs> uh, important classes that can help you in your career. I guess I was thinking about this earlier. Number one tip I have for this is take an Excel course. Almost every single business uses Excel, whether it be accounting, finance, actuarial science, some kind of company will always use Excel to um, hold, usually hold large data sets and then Excel makes it really easy to analyze large data sets. But if you get so big with your data, you might have to move over to something like Microsoft Access. Yeah, definitely so. take an Access class if you are going into a career path that uses a lot of data. The thing for me, even at this point, I've learned programs that are better for analyzing data, but Excel's just so convenient that most of the time I'll do it in Excel before I do anything else. Yeah. I got nothing else. I don't I got know. Nothing else. No, no other courses? Um, <laughs> I mean, so, for like absolutely everybody. Finance? I don't know. Personal finance is useful. I agree with that. Yeah. Did you say take a computer I think science building course? off of what Ben said before about math, um, the other thing is, I don't know if this should stay the way that it is, but it's definitely true today. I'm not saying that math, that math people aren't smart, but math is one of those fields that totally puts up like that flag in people's heads. Like, okay, this person is really, really, really smart. <laughs> so <laughs> if you, if really? you have math, on your transcript, I think you, it shows employers that you're very intelligent 
whether that's fair to the other disciplines or not, I think that math is one of those things that really shows that. I'm going to take that as a compliment. (laughs) You may. (laughs) You may. (laughs) So I'm going to say all of those things that you said are very, very important. And then I'm going to surprise you with a couple of more. Okay. Uh, so you guys, you guys all come from actuarial science and economics, which means that it's, 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 I'm going to state this so that people who go outside, who are watching this uh, and are outside of the economics, actuarial science, mathematics disciplines, that they have this, all right? So these people skipped over calculus. It's really, really good for you. Um, the reason why you take that at the college level is you make sure that you uh, understand how to describe quantitatively how change happens in whatever processes you're trying to measure, okay? Second thing, if you don't have to take it, take statistics. Reason why you wanna take statistics is because invariably you are going to be dealing with some kind of statistics inside of whatever job that you have and you wanna make sure that you're not taken advantage of, okay? Um, those who know statistics are able to take advantage of those who do not know how to read, interpret, and take statistics. Outside of those two things, um, voice and movement. <laughs> I am not kidding you. Um, I'm shocked. So I almost took that class. What is inside that? Inside of your inside of your um, your creative arts courses. Uh, so if you go to a look. If you're at an engineering school, they've got you for 120 credit hours. What we're talking about, you're not going to have any, any ability to do any of the things that we're talking about unless you decide to do med courses at a community college near you. Um, medicine, same way. But if you're in a liberal arts college or you have elective credits to take inside of your college, voice and movement inside of your creative arts department is a really, really good course. So I say voice and movement, and I really mean that in, in, in a variety of different forms. Voice and movement is one way acting as another. What it does is it allows you to um, learn how your body reacts inside of different situations and learns, learns you, teaches you how to control your body in, in a variety of different situations as well. Okay. It talks about timber, about finding hills and valleys to convey importance of the things that you're trying to say. And even with the punctuation that I'm doing with my hand right now, you might learn how to Punch those things that you think that are important um, in, in order to get your points across. Voice and movement, really good thing to take for your uh, elective credit or for your core credit inside of your creative arts. Um, reader's theater, uh, it goes by voice and movement. It goes by reader's theater. It goes by acting. Um, there's a bunch of different ways that you can learn that. Um, other impactful courses? Just so you know, take a financial accounting course. It never hurts anybody to learn how to read a financial statement because in a variety of different ways, you're going to be doing that for the rest of your life anyway, uh, it, for a variety of different disciplines. Um, basic accounting is, is, is a good thing to know. Um, basic computer science. These guys were talking about Excel. They were talking about access management information systems. It's type of computer science programming being able to automate some of those things, some processes for whatever company you come in, that's a valuable skill um, that people are continuing to look for. Um, 
learning some elementary programming never hurts. I don't care whether it's HTML, whether it's C, whatever. Um, I could go on and I could go into three or four different other things, but I'm going to stop here because I feel like I'm dominating. I don't want to. If I can tack just one more on, um, microeconomics or macroeconomics, the Ooh. intro. Yeah, that's a good one. Those are good. Why? Why? Because I think that analyzing value is really important. Um, so being able, like, optimization. So the whole marginal analysis approach, you know, you should the, – the simple example I go to often is you should eat pizza – you should eat another slice of pizza until the next one. I use uh, that in real bring life, you by any the way. additional value. I think – I think thinking about everything like that just – it makes making decisions so much easier. Yeah, econ is all about make good decision making, logical thinking. Take game theory if you want to. That's like that'll turn you into a robot. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I what can't did wait Matt, to take that class. What, what did Matt say during our episode? He was like, someone tried to use game theory with their girlfriend or something. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> Oh, I feel so bad for anybody that knows me after I take that class because I'm going to want to do that to absolutely everybody. <laughs> I'm apologizing right now. <laughs> Can't wait. You know I'm going to use it on you. I know. <laughs> Is there a Nash equilibrium for, for, for relationships? Yeah, don't date. That's the Nash equilibrium. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Just don't do it. <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, okay, let's move, let's move on to the next thing. What is the balance between focusing on your career in college versus enjoyment slash living in the moment? It's kind of like a philosophical question almost, which I do like talking about philosophy. We know. So as an economist, I think you have to balance both. Okay. Good idea. <laughs> um, so... Scott, what were you talking about the other day with your utility? Um, you said something like, oh, yeah. uh, everything now you're trying to focus on the long future, term. long term. I think you just value your perceived utility in the future more than your current utility. Which, in plain English, I think you have to balance them both, like, you've got to enjoy the moment or it's not worth working toward the future or, you know? No, I see what you're saying with that. I, I'm, the, I'm, I'm a very long-term thinker and I like to take actions that help me long-term. I try, I, I'm not saying don't live in the moment because I think everyone, everyone should, but I think more people should focus on long-term goals rather than like short-term pleasures. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Tim just said he loves what Scott said. I'm going to say I love what Tim says. I love wow. when Tim says, um, today Tim works for future Tim, and my least favorite person in the world is fat is past Tim. Wow, fat Tim. <laughs> yes. You honestly just said that. <laughs> I was about to say fast Tim. We need that on a t-shirt. I was about to say fast Tim. But yeah, yeah. I know it sounds like fat Tim, but no. Um, Past Tim's a scumbag, if I can say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, um, like, you should, 
obviously you should balance enjoyment and working towards preparing yourself for careers and stuff. So I'm thinking of it like um, spending time during the week, whereas like the five, like at school, five days of the week, the main five days of the week is like classes, homework. Sundays are usually homework. Friday afternoons are usually not. And then like Friday afternoon, Saturday, and like Sunday morning when I'm asleep until noon is like enjoyment time. But like obviously like Tuesday nights when Tim comes back from his nine, uh, six to nine o'clock class, walks in and asks if we want some dominoes. Of course I'm going to say yes and have some fun. But like the whole rest of the day is usually homework. I'm a very busy person <laughs> So I'm completely stuck on that because I want to ask a question right now because this should have been the question of the day. Who wins in a race, past Tim or future Tim? Past Tim. Past Tim did cross country. (laughs) (laughs) Great answer. Honestly, though, I understand what you're saying, Tim, but like past Ben also did cross country. And even though I'm not doing it now, I'm pretty sure I'm faster now than I used to be. Wouldn't it be future Tim? Because it's like the better version of past Tim. Right? It should be. I mean, Scott and I are going to get Tim to work out when we go back to school, so he'll be fit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We just got to get those gyms open. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm talking about that. Yeah. What about you, Emily? What's so, the balance? For me, this might sound a little cliche, but I think it goes back to like loving what you do, right? So... I don't think enjoyment has to come in the form of like partying and long late nights, you know, it could just be spending quality time in moderation or like going to extracurriculars or clubs that are beneficial for your future, but also beneficial for your personal growth, your enjoyment, whatever level of socialness that you like to attain within your schedule. I mean, that's how I look at it. Ben, why are you laughing at me? You don't agree? You know, you like froze for a split second, uh-huh. but then like your face kept moving while your voice was already ahead of you. It was very interesting. Zoom. I was listening. Okay. Zoom's yeah. never perfect. And I agree. Like this question's really hard for me because they say like you're supposed to work your nine to five and then have your five to nine work for you. And that's when you work on like your passions and developing extra skill sets. But there is a fine line of like downtime, mental health time, personal time, fitness time. So it definitely mm-hmm. is just relative to your goals and I don't know how much you can take on in 24 hours. I'm definitely, I definitely have more utility at 8 p.m. or more happiness at 8 p.m. when I know today I did something that like will make me better tomorrow than when I just had a really good day you know like as I'm getting ready for bed if I know like I'm a better person now or like moved myself forward in some way you know you feel more accomplished yeah sometimes yeah like going off of what Tim just said sometimes I feel like short-term utility or like pleasure when I'm doing something planning for the long term you know what I mean? Like exercise. I feel like that's one of them. Like I get enjoyment out of exercise and that's going to help me in the long term for health and stuff. I was going to say something mm-hmm. more along the lines of academics. Like I know this is weird and yes, I know I'm a nerd, but like literally finishing homework, unless it's been like this long project and I'm just like, Oh, it's finally over. But like finishing a homework, like I feel so good afterwards because I feel productive. 
it's weird to think about, but it's so true. When math went online this semester and I would enter an answer as a fraction, but it needed to be entered as a decimal and I would get it wrong <laughs> and, or the opposite would happen. Uh, I was math, not happy after finishing my homework. <laughs> math online is just so difficult. I, I hate that stuff because it makes me go through the roof. I, yeah. I, I hate it when somebody gets the, a, a different version of the right answer and it, it's just the world that we live in right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I try to make fun of it in front, inside of class, but um, you do that a lot. Kind of make fun of it. it doesn't, it's not, it's not fun. It's a real yeah. pain in a rear end. Um, so, As a professor, how do you feel about the line between like focusing on your goals and then living in the moment per se? Like, I think that's a very broad statement, but it's important. I don't know whether or not this is going to be my non-professorial answer, but it's worked for me for a long time. Um, so the, I've got a couple of maxims around this, all right? And that is, mm -hmm. listen, work hard, play hard, all right? <laughs> After you're done working hard, you make sure you play hard. Don't play so hard that it interferes with you working hard the next day. <laughs> but, but work hard, play hard. Reward yourself with some good play after you've, after you've done some good work. Um, and don't do drugs. Great. <laughs> 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 Stay away from the drugs. It's 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 a long slope. Uh, you know. It, it, it is a negative slope. It is downhill. <laughs> it's downhill. It, is it steep? There is a reason why they call it dope. So. Down slope. No dope. Drugs dope. Yeah, I know. Dope is stupid. Oh. Oh, our generation considers dope is like awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like dopey oh. the dwarf is no longer the normal. Like dope is like that was dope. Like that was really <laughs> dope. Yeah. So it's official. I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> I, still, I knew that definition though, but people don't use that anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You heard it here last. Don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully <laughs> well actually hopefully that's not the last time they hear that <laughs> okay shall we move on to the next topic <laughs>